0: In lieu of what happened with the Florida game and what all has happened this season, what does all this mean for the South Carolina football program moving forward? Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host Andrew Line, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast your first watch or listen. Every day, we are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And with what all has happened in recent weeks, what all has taken place with South Carolina's football team this season compared to the expectations that were set upon them heading into the year, I'm going to continue the conversation of what all is going on with the South Carolina football program on today's show. Try to make sense of Where things could be heading. Maybe what is Shane Beamer talking about regarding the Florida game. Maybe try to dive into some of the coach speak that he has been throwing out there in recent weeks. And try to, again, just give y'all my best interpretation as to what all is going on. We're also going to do a quick preview of Tennessee's defense near the end of the show. That is essentially the roadmap for today's episode of Locked On Gamecocks. So let's go ahead and get on right into it with what Shane Beamer said regarding the Florida game on Sunday night when he was on his teleconference call with the local media. He was essentially asked by David Kloniger of the Post and Courier, so coach... Is this a game where basically you just need to burn the tape and move on? Or is this a game that you're really going to, I guess, you know, fully dive into? And maybe you come out of this game saying, you know, okay, we need to make a lot of drastic changes. And here's what Shane Beamer had to say regarding that question in this soundbite. Hey, Shane,
1: it's Dave. Um, Was last night, you know, was that one of those games where you just burned the tape? and move on. I mean, are there wholesale changes you can effectively make after 10 games? Uh, no, I mean, I think you, uh, you, we, we you certainly got to dive into it. I, don't, I just don't want in game in game 10. I don't think you can sit there and say, well, that's just one game and, and, and whatnot. I mean, there's a, a body of work of 10 games in all three phases uh to to evaluate for sure and and certainly i think last night dave it's it's there and like i said to you guys a million times before there's you know good things that we can build on from that game and 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 bad things that we need to learn from to make sure that they don't happen again and and um you know, uh, met with the defense today, met with the offense, met with the special teams, like I always do, and and uh, was with the entire with the defense during their unit meeting, and then the offense during their unit meeting, and and uh, tried to do a good job all uh, as coaches of you know showing our guys exactly where things went wrong and and uh, how we have to be better as well, um, and uh, um, I don't want to say we we burned the tape or or whatnot, we certainly learned from it, but we know that this one's behind us and, and there's nothing we can do about the Florida game now, except be a lot better going forward.
0: All right. So that was what coach Beamer had to say regarding the Florida game. And there's a couple of things that we do need to take note of here. Now, obviously I know some of y'all are probably sitting there and going, Andrew, the last minute and 10 seconds of that sound bite honestly was not needed because once again, it was a bunch of rehashed coach speak and, I would agree with you on that point, but I want you to hold on to that because I'm going to try to explain why that has been the case with maybe some of these answers that Coach Beamer has given in just a couple of moments. But first, there's one really important part of this answer that all of you should take away. If you listen to this soundbite closely, he said, quote, in game 10, I don't think you can sit there and say, well, that's just one game. There's a body of work of 10 games in all three phases to evaluate. And obviously, he segues into some coach speak at the latter part of that quote. But what he means when he says this is Coach Beamer essentially is acknowledging that, hey, look, at this point in the season, we're 10 games now into this thing with this group of guys in a scheme now that is in its second season. So because of all that, if you're having issues this far into the year, you can't point to this game as a one-game outlier. That is essentially what Coach Beamer said in a nutshell, but of course, him being the head coach, him not wanting to throw his assistants under the bus, which again, we'll dive into more later on the show, is the reason why he's going to window dress an answer like that. He's not going to come out here, y'all, and just say, yeah, I think the offensive coordinator needs to do a much better job, or I think this... Or I think this specific position coach has done an absolutely terrible job. And if he doesn't do better these next two games, then he can go ahead and walk himself out the door with all of his stuff. He's not going to say anything like that on these teleconference calls. Now, again, he did follow up this quote that I just mentioned with a bunch of coach speak about, you know, how the team needs to get better. They need to play better. They need to coach better. I'm sure all of you now at this point can memorize a few of the things that he has said. Now, Some of y'all are wondering, why does he keep doing this? Why is it that he's doing this every single week? And I know that some fans are taking this as a slap in the face, like, you know, they don't actually see the force for the trees with everything. And I can somewhat sympathize with that, but I want to explain something to y'all. When Coach Beamer was growing up, he, of course, is the son of a College Football Hall of Fame coach in Frank Beamer. And what's the thing that Frank Beamer is known for in his time at Virginia Tech? Well, obviously, he's known for Beamer Ball first and foremost. Another thing that he was known for was the coaching stability. I mean, think about this. He had some assistants on his staff that were there with him throughout basically the entirety of his coaching career at Virginia Tech. That is coaching stability in terms of a staff that is just completely unforeseen now in college football. And so... What I think Coach Beamer has tried to do, the reason why maybe he's held on to some of these guys longer than a lot of the fans think he should have, is he wants to try to replicate this. Because, again, these days, it's something that, quite honestly, you again, you just don't see it really anywhere. There's so much turnover now with these coaching staffs. So, Coach Beamer wants a staff and an environment that is family-oriented. It allows you to build your position unit in your vision, what you envision it being, And he's going to allot you a couple of seasons of basically slack or patience, so to speak, to give you that opportunity. So, again, this explains why he doesn't want to throw coaches under the bus because he strongly believes in having those relationships with his assistants. So, again, I know that a contingent of the fan base wants him to just call it like it is maybe with some of these guys when he is talking to the media He's not going to do that. He's going to do that behind closed doors. He's going to do it when he feels the time is right. And I should say, if this is Shane's entire thought process, because admittedly, you know, this is just a shot in the dark here, you know, in terms of my hypothesis with how he's gone about this whole thing. But if this is his thought process, then it is admirable And no one is going to argue against that. But, of course, college football is much different than it was when Frank Beamer started out at Virginia Tech. And I know that's something that probably a lot of you would say when you hear this on today's show. But, again, just wanted to run through that quote just to sort of give the fans an idea of, you know, Shane Beamer understands. Again, he acknowledges. There are problems, and he's giving little tidbits that let the fan base know about that in these teleconference calls, in these press conferences, but you just got to dive through all the coach speak sometimes in order to find these little nuggets, so wanted to point that out to all of you. Now, I want to ask y'all a question real quick. What is the one thing that has frustrated you the most about this season with South Carolina's football team? Now, I want you to hold on to that thought for just a couple moments because everyone wants a good home security system, but, you know, obviously people have been stretched thin in terms of their finances this year because of inflation, for example, and maybe for others, it would just be a really big hassle for you with how busy you are right now, so you've been putting it off. Well, if that explains you to a T, I want you to hear me out for a second. Right now, you, all the Locked On Gamecocks audience, can order the number one rated, simply safe home security system for fifty percent off. This is their biggest offer of the year. And what I love about Simply Safe is the 24-7 monitoring agents the company utilizes, which in an emergency, is used to find critical evidence and discover whether or not there's a credible threat. This allows for an adequate response time from the local authorities. And by the way, this monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day, which is less than one of SimpliSafe's biggest competitors in the market in ADT security systems. So... Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I would recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege today. Again, this is their biggest discount of the year, so you don't want to miss out. That's simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right. So now let's continue the conversation about what has happened with the Gamecocks, not just from the Florida game, but what has happened with this team throughout this season. Basically, let's make out some of the frustrations that some of y'all might have with everything that is going on right now. Now, I asked you a question before we went into the break. What is the one thing that has frustrated you the most about the football team this season? And I'm going to go over a couple of different things that I feel like would potentially be an answer that you might have thrown out there. Let's see if it matches. The first frustration basically is a question. What could have been? As I alluded to earlier in the show, there was a lot of hype about this football team heading into this season for a lot of good reasons. This was a team that, by all accounts, across the country last year overachieved. Which, I have to admit, I hate that phrase. And I hate it when it's thrown out there. But that's what everyone uses. So, that was just the narrative about South Carolina's team last year. They won way more games than they should have. They went 7-6. They obliterated North Carolina, who's now about to fight for an ACC championship in a couple weeks. In the Dukes' Mayo Bowl at the end of last season. And they had a fantastic transferable class. And a pretty solid high school recruiting class as well. So, things were looking on the up and up for Coach Beamer. So, now, South Carolina sits here at 6-4, and four, and they're facing a really big uphill climb these last two weeks, maybe even a flat-out 90-degree angle type of climb as they're about to face the Tennessee Volunteers and Clemson Tigers, two teams which are fighting for college football playoff spots as we speak. So, with this frustration of what could have been, this points to the contingent of the fan base that sits there and goes, look, I'm not going to say that this was a completely lost season. But there were opportunities that were missed because this team did not get anywhere near close to the ceiling that they possess. And this would mean that you're going to talk about games like, said the Arkansas game. You go back to week two. South Carolina went down like 21 to nothing or 21 to three early on or halfway through the first half in that contest. And from that point on, the Gamecocks were just having to fight tooth and nail to get back into it. But what some people forget about that game is South Carolina did fight back. At one point, they were only down six points. They cut it to a one-possession game against Arkansas. But, of course, Arkansas... Pretty much just leaned on Raheem Rocket-Sanders and K.J. Jefferson and that ground attack of theirs. And they just pounded the rock over and over and over again. And South Carolina's defense, they got banged up during the game as well. They lost, I believe, both Jordan Stratton and Muhammad Kaba for the season in that one game alone. That's not even counting Cam Smith, I think, going out with a concussion. And a couple of the guys having to leave at different points of the game as well. South Carolina lost that game by two touchdowns. If the offense doesn't get out to a slow start, if the defense, even in terms of just the rush defense, is average this season, in that particular game, that's a game we're looking back, you could see how things would play out a whole lot differently for South Carolina. The Missouri game, Missouri's offense for as successful as it was against South Carolina, that gimmicky offense that you know I poked fun at leading into that contest, and they turned around and eviscerated South Carolina's defense. It didn't still do a whole lot. They scored 23 points. South Carolina's defense managed to at least hold them to field goals on multiple different possessions. But South Carolina's offense, once again, was the issue in this contest. They did not have defensive turnovers to really work off of. They did not get any massive special teams plays that put them in solid field position or maybe even gave them a touchdown, essentially. South Carolina's offense, this was a game where they were going to have to earn their points completely on their own, without very much assistance from the other units on the team, and they weren't able to get it done. But South Carolina, think about this. They lost 23-10, to and yes, the game felt like it was a lot farther apart than just 13 points by the end of the contest. But if South Carolina's offense is humming along at any point in the contest, they can score maybe two, three touchdowns. We're now talking about a game that South Carolina could have won. Again, it's not out of the realm of possibility if things were different. The Florida game, yes, South Carolina lost the game 38-6, to and it was just an absolute gut-wrenching loss for them, just blown out. It was not even close on Saturday. Everyone can acknowledge that. But again, if South Carolina had even just an average rush defense that has failed fix some of the problems that occurred last year that have now certainly carried over into this season. And if the offense, with all the talent they have, was just able to put together a few drives, I'm not going to say South Carolina could have won the game, but at least it could have been much more interesting. So those are the big games right there where you talk about what could have been for this team this season. Another thing, some people are worried about this turning into a repeat of the must Champ era at South Carolina. And there's a few reasons why some people do think this. Again, I'm not saying this. But I think there are some fans out there that do feel this way secretly. And I want to address all of that and the reasons why. The offensive coordinator being held for two seasons at the beginning of the head coach's tenure. And it hasn't worked out. It happened with Kurt Roper and Will Muschamp. Now, it seems like it's deja vu all over again with Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer. The head coach conveying a somewhat defensive mood when being asked about the constant lackluster performances in certain facets of the team. Great start to the tenure. Then in the second season, there were obvious deficiencies, but they were masked up by other areas of the football team. And the cracks in the armor, in the proverbial armor, so to speak, really start to show by season number three. That is how people start to worry about this thing turning into basically a rerun of what happened under Will Muschamp for South Carolina. Now, here's what I will say. I don't think that in terms of this particular question, fans need to worry about that. Because here's the thing. With everything that Shane Beaver has done so far during his time in Columbia, there's only one area that I think that he really needs to make a lot of adjustments, make a lot of changes, where he needs to fix things up. And that is the coaching staff. I'll just say this. Marcus Satterfield, again, I don't think there's really a whole lot of question at this point. He is probably going to be looking elsewhere after this season. You could probably say the same thing about a couple of other coaches as well. I'll leave it up to y'all to figure out who those coaches are. But the point is, you take out that... Compared to the recruiting, from an overall standpoint, not every position, but an overall standpoint, and you look at the culture Coach Beamer has built and the interaction he has had with the fan base up to this point, the coaching staff is really the only area that needs fixing right now. Coach Beamer has been doing really solid in every other facet of the program, and obviously, you know, assistant coaches are a very important part of the football program, but my point is, it's not as bad as maybe things look right now in this regard. Now, Him being defensive at press conferences. I would defend Coach Boomer a little bit here, and that's me speaking as a media member, because look, of course, he's not happy with what all has been going on with the football team in certain games this year. And, you know, this could be his way of acknowledging that things aren't going well right now, that he understands the frustrations of the fans, and, you know, why certain media members are asking certain questions regarding all of the struggles that they are having. And, When it's brought up time and time again, you know, it's just human nature that you're going to get a little bit annoyed at some point with all of those questions. So, you know, and we don't take it personally when he does get a little bit maybe defensive with some of his answers. But my thing is, don't interpret too much into that. And then regarding being a little bit concerned about this whole thing playing out like it did for Will Muschamp, in terms of all that, I do think it is important to remember Shane Beamer is still learning how to be a head coach. This is his first ever head coaching job. It is in the SEC conference. He was never, I think, anything beyond a special teams coordinator or co-special teams coordinator at all the football programs he had been at prior to South Carolina. Now he's overseeing an entire operation. He's now operating in an era where you have NIL that you got to think about. You got the transfer parole you got to think about. You're recruiting four, five, six years down the road these days compared to what you did in years past. There's so much more on a head coach's plate now than ever before. And it's his first time going through all of this. So, and yes, it is his second season, but. There are still certain things where he's just still trying to figure out what he's going to be as a football coach. So it's not fair to assume right now that he's going to handle things exactly how Muschamp did every time he was met with some obvious obstacles when he was at South Carolina. So overall, I think it is far too early to say that this entire thing is going to end up being a repeat of the Will Muschamp tenure. In terms of a culture, that is certainly not going to be the case from the looks of it. But the coaching staff portion of this program is an area where coach Premier is going to have to show people that he can make the changes that are necessary when it is clear and obvious that they need to be made. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to start our preview of South Carolina's upcoming opponent in the Tennessee Volunteers talking about their defense in terms of their play calling and how some of their personnel executes, who are some of the players to watch on that side of the ball. BetOnline's opening lines for South Carolina and Tennessee, by the way, have South Carolina as a 22-point underdog, according to the spread. And the over-under is set at half points. So they have this looking like a blowout in favor of the Volunteers. And if you're interested in looking into more betting lines just beyond South Carolina's football games, BetOnline is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. You can find all the latest player developments team matchups, news, and analysis on every game you can find. They're your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute score updates for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head on over to BetOnline on your personal computer or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so let's dive into Tennessee's defense. Now in terms of their play calling and strategy, Tennessee runs primarily a nickel-based defense, a 4-2-5. They also will run a 3-3-5 formation and a dime formation with just one linebacker on the field. In terms of their coverage, they will play man coverage against condensed sets, basically where all the personnel is lined up tightly together near the box area of the field. But for the most part, they will run a lot of soft zone coverage. So in terms of all of these short screen passes, all the RPOs and the swing passes, this would actually be a good week to attack the underneath portion of the field to try and set up the intermediate and deep passing game. Now, in terms of their pass rush and blitz packages, Tennessee doesn't really run anything exotic with their blitzes. They run basically a lot of what I call just straight gap type blitzes, meaning that they've got a guy that's going to come as an extra pass rusher. Whatever area that he is originally lined up in and wherever he creeps up, that is pretty much the gap he is going to end up taking. They will also run a wide alignment at times with their defensive line on obvious passing situations such as third and long. There will also be instances where they drop line defenders into coverage and bring linebackers in as pass rushers, and they do this more so out of their 3-3-5 formation. Again, this is to obviously try and confuse the quarterback in terms of who that fourth pass rusher is going to be. South has now seen this multiple times throughout the course of this season, so this should be nothing new to them. When you show heavier packages in terms of personnel in the box on early downs, Tennessee's defense will counter this by bringing in a heavy zone type blitz. So if South goes out there and lines up with two tight ends in the formation, and let's say they go under center, Tennessee is going to pretty much make the assumption that they are going to more than likely run the football, and they're going to prepare for that preemptively by sending five or six guys into the line, or into the box I should say, and try to get to the ball carrier. Now in terms of their twist and stunts, they will run some pass ruts. They will run some pass rush stunts in order to make up for, say, the lack of blitz calls that they have throughout the course of the game. So they'll run stuff like toe, which is tackle over end, eat, which is defensive end after tackle, say, which is sandbacker after end, and no, which is nose after defensive end. Basically, where the first defender is taking over the gap that is vacated by the ladder defender in terms of what I'm talking about with these stunts. Now, let's talk about their personnel a little bit. Starting off with the defensive line. Tennessee's defensive line attacks zone blocking quite well. They are very aggressive in terms of shooting one gap that is predetermined before the play starts in their scheme and in their scheme, which can either blow plays up or it could allow for an explosive play opportunity For the opponent, as long as the opposing offensive line blocks well. So, South Carolina, if Marshawn Lloyd is back this week, which would probably mean they would run a lot more zone runs than they have in the last couple of weeks, then this would be something that South Carolina's offensive line could potentially take advantage of again, as long as they do their job in their one on ones. They also have some pretty solid defensive linemen up front. Defensive linemen Bryson Eason and Omari Thomas are both very explosive athletes off the line. Oh, and by the way, they're both around 300 pounds. So, uh, yeah, interior offensive linemen, you better bring it this week because uh, these guys are going to be a handful for you off the snap. They also have a defensive lineman in Dijon Terry that has a lot of power and is quite violent with his hands and how much of a blow he gives to his opposing O-lineman that he is going up against in his one-on-one. So you need to watch out for him as well. I believe the numbers for those guys, respectively, are number 20, number 21, and number 95, if you are interested in looking into that further. Now, with the linebackers, the only note I took about Tennessee's linebackers, these guys are going to play downhill in rush defense, especially when there's any plays where they see pulling blockers that are going to a particular area of the field. This is very important in terms of South Carolina's running game because, again, assuming that Marshawn Lloyd is back this week and, you know, you don't know with this deep thigh bruise based on how things have gone, whether or not he could be back. But assuming he is back and assuming South Carolina runs a lot more power and counter because of it. This would be something that South Carolina's offensive line would have to watch for in terms of Tennessee's linebackers. These guys are not going to sit around and wait for you to go around the edge and then run up to you and try to engage you. They're going to try to blow it up right from the rip. They're going to run straight to the area where they know that you are pulling towards and basically just try to make a complete and total mess For the opposing running back to have to deal with in terms of, okay, do I need to cut back inside or should I try to bounce this outside even further, which gives maybe some of the defensive backs for Tennessee more of an opportunity to make a play in open space. That is what their philosophy is with attacking pull blockers from their opponent. And then the last couple of notes real quick on some of Tennessee's defensive backs. Safety Jalen McCullough. He is quite good at adjusting in his sort of zone area whenever there's a pass thrown in his vicinity, but not necessarily right near him. He is very good at redirecting his body, shifting his body in the flight path of the football and being able to go up and make a play on it with his hands. Safety J. McCullough does a great job of that. so Spencer Rattler is going to have to watch for that if he throws in his vicinity on Saturday night. The back end of Tennessee's defense, this is a negative for this unit. They do have some tackling and over-pursuit issues that do rear their ugly heads at times. So, if South Carolina can do their job in open space, make some guys miss in some one-on-one opportunities, it could open the door for some explosive play opportunities for South Carolina's skilled players at the tight end, running back, and wide-sphere positions. And then lastly, defensive back Travon Flowers. He's a bit of a mixed bag in terms of his rush defense compared to his coverage ability. In terms of his rush defense, Javon Flowers can sometimes be a little bit wonky in terms of reading who actually has the ball. He can sometimes actually think that the quarterback's got the ball and it's actually the running back. So essentially, probably things like option are some plays where he could get a little bit confused. Maybe zone blocking as well because he can't completely see what all is going on right in front of him if he is lined up, sort of shaded behind the second-level defenders in that linebacker unit. However, Travon Flowers is pretty decent in zone coverage. So, got to be careful with him as well when you throw the ball in his area. So, all in all, Tennessee is going to be very aggressive up front in terms of how they're going to play. They're going to try to basically just blow things up in the box area. And they do this in order to try and mask Some of maybe, again, the deficiencies that they will have in their secondary. Their secondary overall is their weakest unit. However, they do have a couple of nice ball players back there. So basically, they're willing to take risk up front in order to get that high reward of maybe getting some tackles for loss or getting some sacks as well. So that's going to do it for this defensive preview of Tennessee and for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. What are your overall thoughts on what Jim had to say regarding the Florida loss on Sunday night with his teleconference call? What did you make of his comments? What is your biggest concern about the program moving forward? And also, what are your thoughts about Tennessee's defense? Of course, we can get into their offense more so on our Wednesday show. But what are your thoughts on what their defense brings to the field? Let me know in the comments section on YouTube, or shoot me a message on Twitter at lion underscore SC. I thank y'all for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen today. Now, for your next listen, I would like for y'all to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place the Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcast daily and once again y'all that does it for me on today's show I hope that you have a great rest of your Tuesday and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Lockdown On Gamecocks podcast